Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. We are so happy that the T-Spot has become a sponsor of the Thrive podcast. The T-Spot is an artesian producer of handcrafted whole leaf teas and creator of Steepware, the housewares tool that makes your daily practice easy and fun. And Garth, I can personally speak to this. I drink tea from the T-Spot several times a day. I absolutely adore them. And now you can too. Go to thetspot.com, use coupon code THRIVE, and get 15% off of all of your purchases just by using coupon code THRIVE. I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of Crazy Perfect Life and author of Crush Cancer, and we're so glad that you're here today. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I'm a five-time cancer survivor and the original Napkin Notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Let me tell you, I, um, Dara, there's a topic that you and I have kind of danced around a lot, and both personally, like one-on-one, and we've touched on things ever so slightly on some of our podcasts, and I'm really excited today to talk about this whole thing of fear versus faith, and I'll have to tell you why. Um, I know you and I, we we kind of, we tried to record this podcast earlier and it just didn't work out. Okay, what he's not telling you <laughs> is when he says it just didn't work out, I got a case of the giggles and <laughs> I could, I literally could not stop laughing. I think I laughed for like over 20 minutes straight. It, 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 I, I went back and I listened. It was almost... It, I it, mean, it, I hope you, it wasn't like uncontrollable yucky sounding laugh but I was I was crying I was laughing so hard and at one point I had to close my laptop so I wouldn't even see Garth and I still couldn't stop laughing it was it was actually um it you did pass the 20 minute mark uh, <laughs> oh here she goes again no this isn't I mean well laughter is a good thing Garth I agree. it's a good thing but that was crazy and Garth was telling a really like a serious story it, it, and it and you were telling it was serious, and then he gets to the like kind of the the height the height of the story. But she and, fixates on one thing that I said earlier in the story, I, and she like, couldn't you, stop. And I busted out laughing again. So I I'm forcing Garth. I forced him to kind of delete that. So here we go again. Well, and so what's interesting for me is that between that day and today, I went to church. And I will admit that I am, I, I call myself a practicing Catholic. And what that means is that I have to practice it and I'm not very good at it. I, although I'm really active in a couple of church groups, I'm not an active participant and I don't attend mass on a regular basis. Um, I actually just told my mom that a couple of weeks ago and she had this look on her face like, I'm so appalled that you're my son. Um uh, and, and my mom is the type of person who she goes to daily mass, right? So she's not going to mass just on Sunday. She's going every day of the week. Um, and so last Sunday in church, we were sitting there listening to the gospel. And because that's what Catholics do, right? We don't actively read the Bible. We let people read it to us. And I'm sitting there and I always try to take this like one nugget of something away from just just one little thing that I can take away and apply in my real life. Kind and of like your thriving tip. It is kind of like the thriving tip. It's kind of like and and it's it's just this, you know, out of the out of the readings, out of the sermons, out of the the psalm is there something that I can take away and um and use. And there was one sentence. And it was do not be afraid, just have faith. That's amazing. I love that you went in between our podcast tapings and that was the message that you were given. Right. I don't think that's not a coincidence. That I, happened for a reason. I, I mean, I, I'm literally getting chills down like the back of my neck as I say this because I agree with you. It's not coincidence. It was a message that I needed to hear and I obviously heard it very loud and the, universe, the universe, God, we're sending you that message. Yes. And so I love know, when that happens. There's this there's this um, phrase that I've kind of kept in the back of my head. 
I would say pro I, I probably read it two or three or maybe even four years ago. And I really have taken it to heart in terms of how do I manage the fear of my illness? How do I, because look, you know, there's, there's a lot of things for me to be afraid of. I've been diagnosed with cancer five times. I just had a, a diagnosis a couple of months ago. I have a scan coming up on Saturday and you know, what, what's going on? And so how do you, how do you manage that on a day-to-day -day basis? So, um, I, I know this, this, this is getting way out there, right? But there, there was this phrase that I read and I cannot find exactly where I read it, but the phrase is you can't walk the path of faith and fear at the same time. And so it, it, it's, it's saying, if you have faith, then that will vanquish your fear. Do you, so do you think that having faith versus focusing on fear is kind of a choice that every person can make? Or do you feel like some people are just in the fear path or the, the faith space more than others? Or do you think it's just like an active choice that people make? I think it's an active choice. And that's what I think. I think if you're in the fear path, that's, that's, and that's, you know, that's not necessarily a place where you want to be, but it's going to require some effort to get out of that fear path. And whether it's your, your clergy or your family or your counselor or a peer group session, and this doesn't, this doesn't mean just for cancer, right? This is for anything that you have going on in your life. That if you're in that fear path, that's okay, but you need to recognize it. I'm so glad you said that because absolutely, it doesn't matter if you are dealing with cancer or a serious illness or just anything. Fear is something that everyone deals with. And some people get stuck in that fear space and it's kind of a pattern and they get used to living with fear and they get used to thinking a certain way. And it does take, take work, Garth, just like you said, it takes work. You have to put the time in, you have to recognize when you're going down maybe a path that leads you to think a lot of fearful thoughts and you have to replace it with positive thoughts and faith plays a big part of that. Well, and I think one of the things to think about is how do you define fear and how do you define faith? And one of the most basic ways to look at that is fear typically deals with loss and faith typically deals with either gain or growing or something more than what you currently have. And, you know, when we were, when we were first talking about this podcast, I wrote down a bunch of statements that I was trying to clarify in my own head what does fear and cancer, how, how do they go hand in hand? And so I wrote down, you know, cancer is scary. Cancer is death. Cancer is hard. What if I die? What if I lose my hair? And so I started going down and, and writing this in red, you know, this bright, bold red fear and all of these statements. And all of those are, in fact possibilities and some so, cancer is yeah. scary it's also everything that you just said it's fear of the unknown so it's a lot of that what if i lose my hair what if i die what if you don't know what's going to happen and so I, I think a lot of people travel through their lives very fearful about their future it's the fear of the unknown the fear of what might happen that gets us in the space where we aren't living in our present moment. We aren't making the most out of exactly what we're doing because we're worrying about what might or might not happen. You know, there, there's a point in my cancer. I hate the word journey. I hate saying cancer journey because, you know, a journey should be fun, like vacation <laughs> or backpacking or right. But in this, whatever this thing I'm in, whatever we want to call it, Hey, you know what, if you're listening and you have a better 
phrase than mm-hmm. cancer journey, uh, send me a text, 804-502-5506. Send me a text. I'd love to use it because I okay, hate how many journey. people? How many people do you know would just like randomly give their cell phone number out on a podcast? One. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, and so there was this point in time where I was like, okay, I I'm okay with my situation. I understand where I am. I don't like it, but I'm okay with, with, with how I have to learn how to deal with this. And that's the point where I said, you know, I'm, I'm not dying. I'm growing because really we're all in this sense of mortality. We all are going to die at some point. And if anything, this just opened my eyes a little bit to my mortality. And I think that, you know, there, there's a, uh, there was a point in time where I said, you know, thank God I, I made it long enough to get cancer. Right. Well, and- you've, it sounds like you've accepted kind of where you are, you've accepted it. And now you're making the best out of the situation, which you absolutely are. And it's also, you said it's opening your eyes and you are able to maybe travel through your life every single day. And you just have deep appreciation. You don't take anything for granted now. Right. Absolutely. And Somebody once said, and I can't remember who it was. I'm, I'm, I'm infamous for that, right? I'll somebody'll say something. I'll hold on to that message, but I kind of forget who said it, or I might have to go look up a quote for a napkin note. Um, but you, you can be thankful for the bad things in your life. In fact, it's really, it's easy to be thankful for the good things, right? Hey. And I'm driving down the road. I got the green light. I, you know, I didn't have to stop. Yay. That thank you. That was awesome. Well, of course, it, it, that's easy to be thankful for the good thing. Absolutely. It's a lot harder to be thankful for cancer. <laughs> right. You know, I want to go, go on. Oh, no, you go on. <laughs> so there's, this is this is going to be a really bold statement. And I actually think that it is a whole separate podcast. Um, cancer saved my life. And it saved it in a lot of different ways. Um, everything from spiritual to mental to physical. Um, I do not look like or feel like the man that I was seven years ago. That transition was really hard, obviously. Uh, but I'm at the point now where I, I look back and I think, you know, I really, that guy wasn't bad. But he wasn't as good as he could have been, and he probably wasn't on the right path to to success. I bet you like this version of Garth a lot better. I really do. There's yeah. you know there's some parts of it that I wouldn't mind giving up, uh, you know the cancer. But... Yeah, no, I feel the same way actually, and I know a lot of people who go through cancer feel that way. I I want to share a story with you that happened to me right now last year, and so. In between, kind of like you went to church, in between our tapings of this podcast, a picture popped up on Facebook. And last year, around this time, I was in Europe and I was traveling and I was in Switzerland. And I knew that we were going to be going to this amazing place and we were going to be going kind of where actually where they filmed James Bond. They filmed a movie on top and it's like this huge mountain and you ride like three different car, uh, like cars, cable cars up to the top. And it's really, really high. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid of heights. I don't know if you knew that about me. So I knew that we were going to be doing it and I was super excited and it's in Interlaken, Switzerland. And I look, I don't know how many times in my life I'm going to get to go there. And so the night before I was writing in my journal and I was kind of like trying to pump myself up and convince myself that it's going to be great because we're going to be so high up. I think it was like over 10,000 feet. I mean, it was really high and the views were going to be spectacular if I wasn't thinking about how high we were going. And so I kind of was in this place and I didn't want to tell my kids that I was fearful because I didn't want them to be scared. So anyway, I remember I went to bed and I was kind of like, it's going to be okay. And the next morning I woke up and I was writing in my journal and I basically said, you know what? 
this is going to be great. I expect everything to be wonderful and I'm going to focus on the beauty and I decide that I'm not going to focus on the fear. I'm going to focus on having faith and just enjoying every single present moment. And so that's what I did. And I remember we were in the car, the cable car, the first one. We were going up, and I was like, okay, I can do this. It's all good. We get into the second one, and that's when the heights really start. And I remember looking down, and I'm like, we are going, we're getting really high. And then I thought, you know what? I've given it to the universe. I'm trusting God. I have faith that everything's going to be fine, and I'm just going to enjoy it. And I did. And it was such a beautiful, wonderful day. And I realized, you know what, I'm not really afraid of heights anymore. I just, it was kind of a pattern. I thought I was going to be afraid of heights because I've always been afraid of heights. But I've grown and I'm not really afraid of heights anymore. And maybe I've always kind of thought I was scared of them because just one time when I was little, I got scared and then I got into that pattern. And so you're not going to believe what happened. Right when we were about to go leave after being on top for a while, the cable cars broke and there was no way to get down from the top of the mountain. Seriously. I'm so not making this up. The, the cable cars stopped <laughs> before, working. They didn't before, break, right? right? No. They didn't like crash down. Okay, they didn't crash, but they, okay. <laughs> they stopped working right when we were about to get on the cable car to, to go down. Remember I said there were like three. So right when we were about to go into the first one on the very, very top and ride down, it didn't work. And so they said, we can't, we have to call someone in. It was a Sunday. It's going to take a while to get someone up here. So basically we were trapped on top of this really high mountain for like a, an hour and a half and it was fine. It did not even phase me. I just enjoyed the moment. So, you know, as I was listening to your story, I, I, I was trying to think about how I could apply something like that to my life because I am afraid of heights. First thing, um, sec I actually bought one of those. Do you know the the robot vacuums, the Roombas that you can get for your house? I I don't have one of those, but I bought one made by the same company for my gutters. I don't want you cleaning your gutters anyway. You need to you need to hire hire someone. Well, okay, so so I here's here's my mindset. You hey, this call, call this, in a professional. This is only seventy five dollars. And, and I get a robot, which is cool, right? Because Garth is a geek and he likes things like that. And, and all I have to do is run this thing down my gutters, um, you know, once or twice a year. And I save all of that money from having a guy come and clean the gutters. And, um, and guess what happened? I get up on, on the ladder and I do the first row of gutters. It's, it's not as fun as I thought it was going to be because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's yucky, grimy, wet leaves. And it was, it was still in, in the early spring. So there was ice, some ice in the, in the gutters. I was cold. I was hungry. I, I wasn't having a good time. And then I went to do the second story gutter and I could barely reach, you know, on my tallest ladder, I could barely reach into the gutter. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to sell this on Craigslist because it is not worth my time or my fear of heights to do this. But I also shared that story with my family, right? Because they had this expectation, oh, dad's going to clean the gutters. Look at this. He's got a robot. Oh, look at dad. And I wanted Emma to know it's okay to have fear. Absolutely. And here's how I'm managing the fear by selling my gadget on Craigslist <laughs> and, to get rid and of hiring it. someone, <laughs> and hiring somebody. Right. Um, and and so I've been pretty good about sharing things that I'm afraid of with my family because I want them to see me not as this like perfect dad or perfect husband because I'm not, but also maybe they'll be inclined to share a fear with me when they have a fear come up in their lives. I, I think I, I have a, a ton of fears. And I think one of, everyone, a lot of people do. Sure. Everyone does. And and I think one of the most common fears that cancer patient ha case cancer patients have are fears of their scans, right? And at this point, I think that I have been in an MRI or CT machine somewhere close to fifty times wow. since two thousand eleven. That's I did not know that. 
Yes. Yeah, so I, you know, back in the beginning, I was only going every six months. I, I think I had to have four or five scans right away in the beginning because they wanted to really get good images and see what was going on in my body. After that, we I was going in every six months. And then I after I got cancer again and it metastasized, they were like, okay, we're going to put you in every eight weeks. That's how that's the, the level of danger that I was in. And so a lot of cancer patients have this thing called scan scanxiety, right? Where they're afraid of going in for the scans. They're afraid of the results. And I can genuinely say today that I joke with the people at the check-in desk, uh, the people who, the technicians who help me in and out of the machines and hook up my IVs and whatnot. They know who I am. They know my story. They know why I'm there. We have a nice casual conversation. I've never once push the call button on the MRI and my MRIs last between 45 and 90 minutes, depending on what they're scanning. And, you know, I, I don't have fear of the results. And I think there are two reasons why one is just like anything that you could be afraid of or anything that you have to learn, the way to overcome that fear is to do it. Right. So if you're afraid of, you know, let's just pick something everybody learned to do as a kid riding a bike. All right. What's the best way to overcome that fear? Get on a bike, get on a bike, learn to ride the bike. And yes, it's scary and you fall and you get scraped knees and elbows. And, you know, maybe once you don't don't break well and you go, you know, head over heels over the handlebar. But once you've done it enough times, you've learned how to ride the bike and you're no longer afraid of that. And the other thing that I realized with my scans is that all of, all of the scans are doing are revealing what's already in there, right? So it's not, it, all the scan is doing is giving me a quick snapshot of something that might already be in my body. And so I need to know, and with that knowledge comes power because knowing what's there allows me to make better decisions with my care and my caregivers. That's a pretty big place for you to be, to say that you feel like you can go and get a scan and not have a lot of anxiety. Because you're right, a lot of people feel just even the building up to it, like this is the week that I have to get a scan and two days from now I'm going to get a scan and then the day after, is my doctor going to call? Did they find something? What's going on? Because it, it is really scary. And once that happens to you, once you go through it and you know that they, that, that something can show up, that they can find something because anyone who's ever been diagnosed with cancer has been in that situation where they did find something. So it's remarkable that you feel like you can, that you do go through that. How, how wonderful that you have been able to manage that it's, it's practice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that is seriously, true. I, and, and I, it's at the level where I joke when I check in, they're like, Oh, Mr. Callahan. And they'll go to hand me the forms that I need to fill out. And I actually bring the forms from my house already filled out. And they kind of look at me. I said, yeah, you know, you gave me blank forms last time so we could save the check-in time. Because you're the perfect patient. Well, well, but I'm not because I'm a little sarcastic, and I look. No, at sarcasm's like, good. <laughs> this, this isn't my first rodeo. Um, or you know, I heard if I bring the form and fill, you know, filled out one more time, I get a free burrito. They should let you choose the music that they play while you're in there. Or do you I, bring you? I you don't do. get music. <gasps> Why not? Because the facility I go to, and I'm I'm adamant about going to the same facility okay. and using the same machine. Okay, I get that. that makes they sense. don't have music there, okay. but they have a little tiny brownish reddish mark mm -hmm. where somebody clearly like brushed up on the inside of the machine. There, so there's this little like half inch mark right above my left eye, and I look at that, and I know that if I can see that, then all is well. I feel like I want you to take a sharpie in with you and write a quote <laughs> on top of the machine and see, I bet you they would never even know 
because who's going to tell them? Yeah, you know, but I I feel like there should be some like really inspirational quote that patients should look at besides some random mark that someone left. Hey, you know what? Can you, you think they would let you do that? No. Why not? Because I tried to take a selfie in front of the MRI the other the <laughs> last time I was in there and yeah. they freaked out. Because and I was probably 15 or 20 feet away from the machine. I was just barely crossing the threshold of the door. Why did they freak out? Because my phone is magnetic, right? Oh, my, it, okay. could, it could fly across the room out of my hands and hit the machine. And what could a Sharpie do? Nothing. But do you think that somehow I'm going to be able to finagle myself through okay. the machine and write on the inside? Well, maybe you could tape a napkin note. I'm just kidding. I know you can't. But well, still. Yeah, so I actually, I have what I would write. Okay. But, I, but that comes later. Right. That okay. comes later. So awesome. I think now is actually a great time for us to, um, before we do our Thrive Tip, uh, Dara has one more promo to go through and then she'll give our Thrive Tip for faith versus fear. Yes. So we are so lucky to have sponsored, uh, to be sponsored by Raw Vibe Designs. Jess from Raw Vibe works with natural stones and creates beautiful jewelry. I absolutely love her tri necklace. It is a quartz stone and it's in a triangle and I had one, my daughter Avi snagged it and just loves it. And it, for me, it kind of stands for each point stands for mind, body, spirit, and it's absolutely beautiful. So check it out. You can get one for a 10% discount using code thrive. And you also get free shipping at www.raw.vibe.com. All of this will be in the podcast notes, of course. So now we're going to get to our thriving tip. If you're new to the Thrive Podcast, the thriving tip is a little bit of information, maybe a little nugget of wisdom to carry with you throughout the day. And since we're talking about fear versus faith, today the thriving tip is this. If you think of the word fear, it really stands for false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Just like when I was afraid of heights, that was really, I wasn't in danger. I was just, I just maybe have always been afraid of heights in the past because I thought that I would be in danger, but I was fine. A lot of times our minds go to that place where we automatically start thinking negatively. What if this happens? What if that happens? And a lot of times it really is false evidence that we are convincing ourselves is real. So the next time you're in a situation and you start to feel afraid, remind yourself of this. Take a deep breath. Try to change your thinking. Tell yourself that you're okay, that you're not in any danger, because more than likely you're not. And go to the positive side. You know, Dara, um, I, don't, I don't know why. Maybe it was your, your previous talk of, of going up the gondolas or whatnot and this, this last thing you were talking about, fear and um, the false evidence. There's a German saying, and I'll try to translate it. There's a German saying that is applicable. It is fear makes the wolf bigger than he is. One of the things that I've always kept in the back of my head, especially after my third and fourth cancer diagnosis is diagnosis C's. Hmm. I don't even know which one it is. Um, fear doesn't stop life. Be uh, afraid. No, I'm sorry. Fear doesn't stop death. Well, I think what you're trying to say is don't let fear, life. don't let fear right. get in the way of you living your life. So be afraid and push through it and do whatever it is you're afraid of. Don't not go and do whatever it is you really want to do because you're afraid. Push through it. I think, you know, there, there are all sorts of things that are worthy of being afraid of, right? Well, cancer is certainly one of them, Garth. I mean, it is. Spiders rattlesnakes, right? I mean, but in all reality, all of these things, um, there, I, I want to say that if you learn how to kind of embrace the other side of fear, embrace faith, if you can embrace your own abilities, if you can embrace knowledge, if you can embrace this mentality of growth, then you can really overcome it. Um, you know, I, I can't even... I, I think that something, I've always been a very positive person and I've always been accepting 
of the next challenge in my life, whatever that challenge might be. And so once I, once I was able to shift my mind back towards that side of me after my, um, my couple of first couple of times of getting cancer, life became much, much better. And, um, so I want to I want to share this one story. Um, it's it's a little long, but I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, I know that I have Irishman syndrome, and I don't know how to tell a short story. And this this kind of will help solidify with you and the listeners my relationship with God and and where faith plays um, a part in my life. So I'll set the scene. I've been diagnosed with cancer at this point four times. I've been taking daily chemo for about six months. I just have come off short-term disability because, and I took short-term disability because the chemo was just so hard that I couldn't function. And when I went on disability, I told Lisa, I said, here's the plan. I just need to get through this, this set of, of daily chemo, which was six months and we'll see that I'm cured. And then, you know, I can stop the chemo and, and life will resume. And what I didn't realize at the time is that my chemo doesn't really work that way. It, it helps stop the cancer from growing, but it doesn't necessarily cure it. And so I'm back at work. I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling because I'm sick. I have all of those side effects that you'd normally associate with chemo. And I'm having a tough time trying to balance being a husband, a dad, an employee, a cancer patient, and this new thing called the napkin notes dad. Right. So up until that that year, the napkin notes dad didn't exist. I was just the dad writing notes to Emma and posting them on Facebook for my friends and family to see, hoping that, you know, maybe one of my friends or my cousins or something would say, hey, you know what Garth's doing is really cool. I'm going to write a note to my kid, too. That's and that's that's all it was. And so after our story went viral we were asked to write a book. We wrote the book. So now the book is kind of in its final stage and I'm going back to work. Funny thing. I actually wrote the book before I went out on disability. (laughs) I, I did not time it well. And so my agent calls me and she said, Hey Garth, you know, um, I'm going to send out your galley to some people to read. And I said, Oh, okay, great. Um, what's a galley? And Dari, you know what a galley is. I do. And yeah. so, so I did not. And I said, and I had to ask. And she said, oh, it's, I, it's... I, I only know because I heard this story last time <laughs> when we taped the podcast. <laughs> okay. So a galley is like a pre-book. It's not, um, it's not bound. It's not pretty. Um, it kind of has a look and shape of what your book is going to be, but it's really just a, a nice photocopy that's bound, that's bound with like those, those gold clips that you fold apart, uh, for school reports. And She's, and I said, okay, so what kind of people? Again, I don't know what this is all about. I don't know who would need to get a copy of this ahead of time. And she said, oh, you know, people like Ron Howard and Tom Hanks. And I said, oh, you know, for a minute there, I thought you said Tom Hanks. That's that's really. And she said, no, I, I, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> and And I'm like thinking to myself, what have I gotten myself into? What I can't even imagine what this is. Okay, so sure, you can send them out to who, whoever you want, right? That's your job. Um, I'm this dad in Glen Allen, and I don't know what's going on, but okay. And this was a Wednesday, and that's really important to keep in mind. It's it's a Wednesday, and Friday comes around. She gives me a call. She said, "Hey Garth, I've got some people lined up that would like to talk to you Monday and Tuesday. Can you take some time away?" And I think, yeah, you know, I can, you know, if we time it right, I can take some phone calls on my lunch break. I can do it before work or after work, whatever we need to do. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Who am I talking with? And she said, oh, you know, some producers. And she named off a bunch of producers. And what I discovered about me and movies is that I don't know producers. You only know know Star Wars producers. Well, yeah, (laughs) Um, I I know the Star Wars producers, but you know, when, if you were to like, to be honest, if you were to ask me my, not my favorite non-Star Wars movie, I could name the actors. Um, I might be able to name the director, but I certainly couldn't name the producer. 
And so I asked her, I said, well, you know, what am I supposed to talk to these people about? I, I don't even, you know, I don't know what this is all about. I, fit, I feel like the Geico lady. Hmm. I, you know, I don't know anything about this. And so she just said, be yourself and, and have a conversation and be open to possibilities. I love that. Yeah, she, she gave me some really good advice. And so I'm having these phone calls, talking to people about what they think the story could do. And at this point, I'm starting to feel lightheaded because they're talking about movies and TV shows and miniseries and school plays. And I mean, just things that are way beyond what I'm able to think about. And, um, and Tuesday evening rolls around and I'm starting to, to, I'm just worn out at this point. Not only have I been working for a couple of days, but I've had six or seven of these phone calls, which are draining experiences. They're fun, but they're Mm -hmm. still draining. They take a lot of energy. I can see that. Well, and plus they're asking me, you know, I always get to ask the same questions. You know, are you dying? How, you know, what's your health like? Um, tell us about Emma. So it's, it's very emotional. Right, right. And so, you know, I have a call lined up at like 530. And Emma has a volleyball game that evening. And in order for me to kind of balance everything, I have to leave work a little bit early and scoot over to the school where Emma's playing volleyball and take this call in my car, basically, in the parking lot. And then when the call is finished, I can go in and watch Emma play volleyball. And I'm really self-conscious about leaving work early. Because you just got back. Right. I just got back. And, you know, the one thing that I don't want to do is I don't want to be different at work. You already are different, though. I I mean, it is what it is. I know. I get that I'm different. But, you know, I... I, you know, I don't want to stand up at 445. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have somebody roll their eyes. Oh, look, there's Garth with cancer leaving early. (laughs) That's what made me laugh last time. (laughs) And you just did it again. (laughs) Well, so, but I mean, and that's, and that's, that's a real concern of mine. Yeah. Because I don't want to be discriminated against in the workplace. It's kind of like, thanks for having me today. I'm glad I could stop by and work for a few hours. <laughs> exactly. You know, thank it's you. Been I'm, great. Yeah. Hey, I'm sick. See you later. <laughs> um, and and I and I'm sure that all of that was in my head. By the way, right? I don't. I, I bet that none of my coworkers were thinking that ever. No, I'm sure they would. They just felt like so sorry for you, and they wished that they could help you more. Right. And I was just being overly sensitive. But because I'm being overly sensitive about it, I'm agitated and I leave the parking lot of of uh, work and I'm just done I'm so tired and I'm so sick and I've got all this on my plate and I'm trying to do these things with as as the napkin note dad and I don't understand how to do a lot of them and I'm overwhelmed to the point where I'm done and you know I've said a lot of times I'm, I'm done with with my cancer but the reality is, is that I'm not right. And, and as much as I love to say that, that doesn't work. And so this frustration is building and building and building to the point where I'm at a stoplight and I start pounding my hands on my steering wheel. And I like, I don't know what else to do. And I say, okay, God, I'm done. You have asked too much of me and I, I can't do it all. And I'm looking at my life and I have so many things that I have to do. I, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm an employee, I'm a cancer patient and I'm the napkin notes dad. And that's not to mention like, you know, mowing the lawn and stuff like that. And so what can I give up out of this? You know, I can't, and I choose not to give up being a dad or a husband. I really need to be an employee because managing my healthcare is so much easier when you work for a large company. And I would love to give up being a cancer patient, but it seems like that's not in the cards. So I am ready to walk away from being the napkin notes dad. And I think that's the right thing to do. And I'm saying this out loud, right? I'm, 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 I'm sure passers by are like, this dude's talking to himself in his <laughs> truck. Hey, this dude's pounding on a steering wheel talking to himself. And, and I say, God, I need direction and I need clarity and I need it today 
because I, I'm perfectly fine with going back to being just Emma's dad and writing her notes and not being public about it. And I think that's the right thing to do and that's what I'm gonna do. And the light turns green and I go to the school, I sit in the parking lot, I have an awful conversation with that producer. It just didn't, I, I think it was partly my fault in that I was in a bad frame of mind I wasn't feeling well, I was tired and worn out, but also I didn't, I, I felt like the producer was talking to me as if I had experience with this. Like I was asked, hey, you know, what? what's your vision for this? <laughs> You're like, I'm just trying to get through the day. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I, I'm, I'm trying not to use the barf bag, which I stole from American Airlines and keep in my truck. Wow. Um, it, it just, it was, it was a struggling conversation for me. And, um, and what made it that whole thing, like the cherry on, on top was that I finished the phone call. I scoot in, I pay my $5 to watch Emma's volleyball team lose because they haven't won a game mm. all season because her coach was awful. I mean, stay, her, stay focused. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like just having a bad day and we're done. So we go home, we have dinner, I'm cleaning up after dinner. Whenever I tell this story, which by the way, isn't often, I've only told this story to a handful of very small groups. Uh, but whenever I tell it, Lisa kind of get this, she gets this look on her face, like, really, you were cleaning up after dinner. But I, I know that I was because my phone rang and I had to dry my hands before I could answer my phone. And so I dry my hands, I grab my phone, I answer it. And it's both of the agents. So I have one agent who's in New York. She's the literary agent, Kate. I have one agent, Michelle, who's on the West Coast, and she's handling all of the other things. And Kate is kind of in tears. And I'm not exactly sure how old Kate is, but I'm going to say she's 29. Because I think 29 is this like really vibrant age. We all remember 29, right? And she's just like, like this tough-as-nails agent with a heart of gold. And I just imagine her like walking up and down the streets of New York City, kicking in doors and making deals for her clients. And she's crying with me. You had no idea why. I, had, I have no idea why. And all I could think of is, boy, I really messed something up. <gasps> and so Michelle says, hey, Garth, you know, do you have a minute to talk? And I said, sure. I, that's why I answered the phone. That's, you know, that's how this works. This is one thing I know how it works. And so I go out on the front porch because I don't want my family to see my reaction because I think it's going to be a bad conversation. Mm. And so they say, hey, you know, one of the producers really loves your story and has sat down with Sony and they want to option your book and option the story. And they kind of explain what that means. And what it means basically is they they'll you know, sign a contract with you, but the option is that they can also choose to not do anything and they can keep renewing the option for a certain amount of time or whatever, but there's no guarantee that the story is going to get told. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is a pretty cool deal because the way that it worked is that they would actually have to pay us a little bit of money, which would help erase my medical debt. And that was a huge thing right then. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. And they said, Garth, hey, you know, you need to decline that offer. And I am heartbroken at that point. I have no idea why they're asking me to do that. And they know my financial situation. And they say, hey, you know, the reason, so just please decline. And so I say, okay, I, I decline the offer, please. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. And so they said, okay, so New Line Cinema Ha they just want to buy the story outright. No option. They just, they love the story. They think it has value. They want to make a movie and you need to accept that offer. And I'm like, okay. And they said, and if you have time tomorrow night, Reese Witherspoon would like to give you a call because she's interested in being the pr executive producer. So, you know, I had asked God for, for clarity and direction. And let me tell you, even somebody as dense as me who needs to get hit upside the head uh, in, in a lot of situations, I heard that message loud and clear. And that renewed me to be able to continue being the napkin notes dad 
even with all of the crap that was going on because of my daily chemo. That is just such an amazing story. So first of all, thank you for sharing that because I actually hadn't heard, I hadn't heard that story with the emotional element of it. So it was pretty, that was a pretty amazing story. And I do think a lot of people, and it does happen a lot of times in the car. And I think a lot of people can relate to that where they're just kind of like, I can't do this anymore. Or God, I need direction. I need, please help me. And, and people put it out there. Like they ask for help just like you did. And so I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, Reese Witherspoon hasn't come to me after I've asked God for help. <laughs> so, you know, that's pretty cool. But I think your whole point to that story is it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to pay attention because the answers are going to come. You know, um, I, I have this other, I promise it'll be short, like two minute story that, so for the longest time I would pray every night when I took my daily chemo. So I, t I typically take my chemo between seven and eight. It's, it has to be two hours after dinner. And I would hold the pills in my hand and I would pray to God for healing. And then I would take my chemo and, you know, all was well. And I thought, you know, what a more opportune time to pray for healing than when you're actually about to take your chemo, right? It makes sense, right? Absolutely. And in the first couple of months, we did actually see some shrinkage in, in the tumors, but they still were there. And about a year after that, I stopped praying for healing because I felt like I wasn't being heard because I wasn't getting healed, right? Uh, okay, so this is going to be the hard part. I realized that my prayer was answered and I just didn't like the answer. And the, and the answer was, you know, I, I would pray to God, hey, God, you know, I'm a husband and I'm a dad and I really need to be healed he said no <laughs> but but he didn't say, say no like that he was like no garth but i've got your back because garth with cancer garth with cancer is a better dad and a better husband and he's got a stronger voice so not yet mm, garth I, I don't Sorry. even have, I don't have any words right now. You guys but, can't see Garth right now, but he's, he's being Garth, which is he's willing to put himself out there and be vulnerable and just talk and sh say it like it is. And, and he's crying right now because you're just, you're opening up and you're letting yourself really feel and you're sharing with all of us so that we can all be better too. So I, I the reason why I needed to share that little two minute story is to reiterate that that hasn't put me back into the fear category. If anything, it makes my faith stronger because I, I understand and it, it makes me able to accept where I am. And, and you know what? I really do believe I, I have this happen to me all the time where I'm nervous or I'm afraid or, you know, there's something new coming up and I, and I, I start to question my abilities or I question my purpose. And then I start laughing to myself because I think, oh, what, what am I worried about? God's got my back. He doesn't want me to fail. When you travel through your day and you believe that God or the universe has your back, it's such a game changer. It, you don't have to, you don't have to be scared anymore. You don't have to worry anymore. And I have to tell you, I truly 100% believe right now that my uncontrollable laugh was so that we could tape this one again, because this one is so much better than the podcast we did before. Think about that, Garth. I mean, what you just shared with us is remarkable. And that I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually having a really hard time recomposing myself. <laughs> I, I don't. So, you know, you know how I said I don't tell that story about the, the movie thing? Yeah. Okay. So I. You, you had never I, told that story that you just told, have you? you I, that was the first I, time you said it. I, I've never said it out loud. Yeah. I, I, I thought that. Well, thank you, Garth, for being willing to 
just say it like it is and help people in whatever they're facing and whatever is going on in their lives and giving people the the courage and also the permission for them to ask for help, to lean on God and to ask for help and to know that there's someone out there listening. You know, when, when I was prepping for this, um, this episode, I, you know, I do a ton of prep before, beforehand. I, I just, I want to make sure that I have my head straight and that I'm doing the right thing. Um, and that I've got notes ahead of me. And, you know, one of the things I do is I, I look back through the, the hundreds of and thousands of notes that I've written to Emma to find out what, you know, what napkin note quote can I use that applies to the episode in all of the preparation, you know, I never thought about telling that, that little two minute story about why I stopped praying for healing. So the, the napkin note that I ran across, and I, and I think it's, it's in a non-denominational, non-religious way, totally embodies what faith means. Uh, and this is, a, it's a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. Be not afraid. Have faith. Or be afraid and do it anyway. And know yeah. that someone's got your back. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about that. I mean, the how, how many, you know, I've had a couple of surgeries. I was afraid. But that didn't stop me from going to have surgery. Yeah. There's nothing. It's that moment when they, when you have to say goodbye to your loved ones and they wheel you out. That's a really scary place to be. I don't care how many surgeries I've had or you've had or anyone else listening to this has had. That's just, it's scary. Yeah. It's, it's awful. You, you yeah. just feel, you know, there's, you that, have like, no control. You have no control. Right. And, and you literally have no control because yeah. at that yeah. point, some, you know, the drugs are probably kicking in. Yeah. If you're um, lucky, they're kicking in and then you don't have to, <laughs> you know, but, but the flip side of that, at least in my hospital facilities is as they're wheeling you away. And the drugs are kicking in and you're saying goodbye to your family around the corner. They put warm blankets on you. And that just, that is the nicest feeling at that moment because mm -hmm. it helps take that fear away. So I, I think this is a good place to end. Uh, I am, <clears throat> I'm still choking up. Sorry. Uh, I am Garth Callahan, the original napkin notes dad. And you have been listening to the thrive podcast. Subscribe to this using your favorite podcast app. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate us. Check back next week for the best episode ever. I'm Dara Kurtz, author of Crush Cancer and creator of Crazy Perfect Life. And we are so thankful and blessed to have you here on this journey with us. Thank you for being and thank you for coming into our lives and, and for listening to our podcast. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.